So we'll start with the lecture verse. The unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it. We can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. As many of you may know, Ramesters Mayon, Daishin, Esther, and Reverends Valora, Traherne, and Vera are currently at Sarasahol Buddhist Abbey for the OBC gathering. They all arrived safely. We can hope they continue to travel safely and be well and enrich the relationships within the OBC and with all things. We're grateful that you are all here today and for all the lay practitioners that are here training with us to help us to take care of the Abbey. Thank you. So all is well. We will be sustained, protected, and instructed by the pure offerings to the three treasures. So later this week, according to the calendar, we will be entering the first day of the autumnal equinox. From my perspective, 2023, winter, spring, summer has been transformational, inspirational, and penetrating. It's all happening each day, every night, filled with wonder, change, challenge, and joy. And honestly, a little bit of heartbreak along the way. It is no surprise as we enter this portal, we are reborn to this fresh moment of autumn. At the same moment, we exit this remarkable summer, we die. Death and rebirth over and over. When we are centered and our balance energies are right at the portal of the threshold, there is a spaciousness there, a timeless moment and actually a chance for us to get a glimmer of the eternal. What a precious moment to just let things be. The 22-23 winter was a real winter. We had snow. According to what I read, we had 26 feet of snow up on the mountain. And all the joy is trickling down still to us. So this is very happy making for some of us. It was a great winter. And as always, our 30-plus-year-old faithful John Deere tractor gave it its all this winter. And a combination of conditions really made it clear it was unwise to ask our venerable tractor, our friend, to continue on with its selfless service to the Abbey. So we are grateful to our dear John Deere and wish it the very best as it retires to greener, less demanding pastures. <laughs> it may be hard for some to understand how one can be so loyal to a tractor. Certainly hard to explain in words, unless, of course, you subscribe to the label of dirt farmer or tractor aficionado. I will miss that sweet little tractor, as many of us will. With lots of deliberation and a great deal of technical assistance from Ramastahario, and others in our community. Another tractor will be introduced to the practice, hopefully sometime by October. So we thank you for your kind donations that made this upgrade possible, 
and our words of gratitude do not do not stra- excuse me do not scratch the surface. So I bow deeply and respectfully to each of you. Thank you. Now the spring brought many gifts, and the two most prominent in my mind are large quantities of life-giving water and splendid, spectacular, exquisite wildflowers. Now, there was lots of other things, uh, but those are dear to my heart. And to see Mount Shasta in her spring cycle of winter clothing was just beyond words. Jukai was particularly meaningful to me this year also. Perhaps it's one of the benefits of the pandemic. We weren't able to have Jukai for a while, and this year we did. And so it was a really good reminder for me not to take things for granted and show gratitude for the many moments as I am able. It's very refreshing to the practice because life itself has changed. The summer experience continues to be remarkable. We had the honor of training with three Taiwanese monks from Dharma Drum Mountain for approximately a month. These Mahayana Chan bhikkhus are disciples of Master Shenyan. Their great grandmaster is Empty Cloud. I'm certain for I'm certain their presence is far reaching to all who meet them. For me, I found these venerable Chan Chi, Yan Jin, and Yan Xin to be inspirational, funny, and incredibly sincere. While they were sharing the Dharma with us, they obviously were putting a lot of effort and thought into communicating with their body, speech, and minds. Obviously, we had one one ace in our pocket. We have one monk who does know how to speak some Chinese, but the rest of us struggled along, and they just really went to bat for us. So I'm grateful beyond words to these three monks. The summer's heat brought forth and finished off approximately 50 medium-sized to very large trees, which died at the abbey here this year. The winter's moisture did not arrive in time to save them. The already stressed trees just couldn't handle uh, the heat when the summer came. And this resulted in an amazing amount and an abundance of dried firewood on the property. And for this, we are also very grateful. Most of the summer was smoke-free, of course, until it wasn't. We had a rare opportunity to see the Perseid meteor showers this year which was truly off the scale. It was beautiful. And the wildflowers in our area kicked into high gear and threatened our beloved Fugan Hermitage. So this brought to me immediately the winds of impermanence that fanned the flames on our very head. Simply be diligent in the practice and for me to be responsible for my actions. Not an easy thought to be still in with to be still within as many of the thoughts that come up at that time were contained something that's very precious and dear to me and to many in the community and many people um, as Fugen Hermitage is. And Fugen survived the wildflower wildfires, excuse me, <coughs> sustaining some damage to the infrastructure, the water tanks and PVC that delivers water from the spring to the temple. So we thank the Buddhas and the ancestors and all of you for transferring merit. We are now delicately balanced in the portal where form and reflection gaze to each other as before a precious mirror. 
So we begin this fall season with a joyous celebration. Reverend Master Shiko Ram is celebrating her 50th year as a monk on September 21st. Congratulations, and we all bow deeply to you for your great example. Thank you. So spring and autumn, warming up, cooling down. This is the title of Shugen, Chapter 64, in Great Master Dogen's Shobogenzo. Regardless of the season, we seem to have whether we are too hot or too cold on our minds. <laughs> Great Master Dogen relates the following story. Abbot Busho Hote of Mount Dali in Tushan province was a Dharma heir of Enyo, Engo. He once said in verse, For the sake as a monk, you, Tozan, show me the place between hot, show me the place beyond cold and hot. And once the dead tree brought forth a blossom. People who scratch a mark on the boat in order to locate their sword are laughable indeed. To this very day, they are still among cold ashes. So there's a footnote that explains the sentence, people who scratch a mark on the boat in order to locate their sword are laughable indeed. So once, since our Taiwanese monks got to go river rafting, I'm kind of on the boat theme here. And the um, footnote reads, the story is from a classic Chinese spring and autumn chronicle. And the footnote says, a man once lost his sword while sailing down a river. He's made a scratch on the side of his boat to mark where the spot where the sword fell into the overboard. <laughs> so despite his efforts to retrieve the sword for looking for it beneath the place where he had scratched on the boat, he failed to find it as the boat had drifted downstream. So what does the sword represent? Or perhaps the real question for me is, why do we scratch on the side of our boat in such conditions? Inherent nature of things is change. Where there is no no association to location, it's everywhere and nowhere. I'll have more to say about this just a little later. The Shungu is chocked with full koan stories. Let's see, I didn't say that right. The Shungu is chock full of koan stories dealing with how to train with the opposites, specifically dealing with hot and cold, absolute and transitory. What these stories appear to be pointing to is how do you avoid the opposites? Where is that place where there is no heat and cold? So great master Tozan Rokai, who authored the five positions that outline the relationship between transients and absolute, has this to say. When it is cold, my Acharya, give yourself up to the cold. When it is hot, my Acharya, give yourself up to the heat. And just as a note, an Acharya is a monk of at least five years of training. <clears throat> and Reverend Master Hubert states in a little later foot, footnote in this chapter, beyond heat and cold is someone who is at one with true nature. So here at the Abbey, and maybe everywhere, the change in the seasons can become a petri dish of feelings and views. And in the meditation hall, the conversations may go like this simultaneously. It's too cold. 
turn the heater on. It's too hot. Open the windows, turn on the fan. I'm burning up. It's freezing. (laughs) So it goes. And it's the same with salt and sweet and the myriad of other conditions of our life. As a novice, I recall the suggestion that when you're hot, when you are hot, be a hot Buddha. When you are cold, be a cold Buddha. This advice has carried, continues to serve me well and nourishes the intention of equanimity. <clears throat> At times for me, it's best not to rely on words. Often it is better to do nothing, or even better yet, say nothing if I'm able to manage that. And uh, it's better to just let my heart speak genuinely. And that is what, where I'm working at very sincerely these days. At times, we allow words to bind us into a prison of dualities. Good, bad, big, small, hot, cold. There are infinite opposites and comparisons. And this discrimination, while at times necessary, is totally arbitrary. The Buddha gave us many antidotes to this, and the one I'm attempting to incorporate into my practice once again is equanimity, taking up, absorbing a balanced view to stabilize the mind. Once I understood, and here's the key point, and remember to understand that there's nothing, anything to gain or lose, I am more readily to experience seeing everything as equal with rising conditions and causes. I have found this takes sustained care and effort in paying attention and requires a recognition and looking straight on at the results. This is simply the nature of being. And right here, this is the big aha for me of the summer, paying attention. So clear, we operate, act on, and describe things based on our attachments. Rev. Master Shen Yen said, If you practice diligently all of your life, you have established a direction for living. This direction becomes part of your karma. In your next life, the tendency will continue. You will go on moving forward to the place where illusionary thought disappears. The vow that is the intention to practice gives direction to your whole life and produces new and beneficial karma. I find that very encouraging. So I've taken this to heart, and now every time I set to meditate, I bow to my cushion and say the Bodhisattva vow. And for those of you who know it, you can join me in saying this. However innumerable beings may be, I vow to save them all. However inexhaustible the passions may be, I vow to transform them all. However limitless the Dharma may be, I vow to comprehend it completely. However infinite the Buddhist truth is, I vow to realize it. So equanimity holds the key to compassion and are the wings for compassion and wisdom to take flight. All things have karma as their property, their heritage, their origin, their friend, their refuge. Both hatred and love must be calm for equanimity to prevail. 
So if I can accept whatever happens, good, bad, indifferent, this is the best practice for me right now. Reminding myself to appreciate what arises, which includes sickness and death. Be grateful. Do not criticize. You only pass this way once. The vow to save all sentient beings includes myself. And I ask if I try to save this life, am I running away from acceptance? There seems to be much more going on than simply being medical caretakers of the body. To me, it seems we wish to save the body, the physical life, so that we beings can recognize our own inherent wisdom for ourselves and know the deathless reality of the unborn. This is the Bodhisattva vow to be, to save all sentient beings from ignorance, delusion, and the misperception that external phenomena are the cause of their suffering. This is our encouragement to find the realization of our own wisdom so we can just lay it all down, let it be with kindness, thoughtfulness, and consistency. Yanapanika Tara wrote an article in 1994 about the four sublime states. They are the four attitudes of mind which were taught by the Buddha. Metta, which is loving kindness. Karuna, which is compassion. Mudita, which is sympathetic joy. And Upeksha, which is equanimity. These four states of mind are said to be excellent because they are the right or ideal way of conduct towards all living things. We are encouraged to let these attitudes be the mind's constant dwelling place and be mindful of them in all our activity. So they become spontaneous attitudes not easily overthrown by selective preferences and prejudices. He continues, the ultimate aim is to produce a state of mind that can serve as a firm basis for liberating insight into the true nature of all, of all phenomena as being impermanent. <clears throat> it seems that everyone would benefit just a little from less resentment, tension, and irritability by their practical conduct and the direction of thought. The everyday maintenance of a perfect, unshakable balance of mind. I also like the example he gives that he says, as we look at our lives, we notice that it continually moves between contrast. The waves of emotion carry us up and fling us down. No sooner do we find rest than we are in the power of a new wave again. So how do we get footing, solid footing, on a crest of a wave in the midst of this ocean of existence. And he suggests we look to the island of equanimity. Equanimity is based on vigilance, presence of mind, not on indifferent dullness, not on a passing mood. It is the result of sustained care and practice. The source of consistency comes from within us and stands resilient to everyday life, challenging excuse me, everyday challenges rooted in our meditation practice. We have to understand the various experiences we undergo are a result from our karma, our actions, our thought, our word, our deeds performed in this life and earlier lives. Excuse me.
This means that nothing happens to us comes from an outer world foreign to ourselves. Again, everything is the outcome of our own mind and deeds. Within everything that happens in our lives, we only meet ourselves. There's nothing to fear, therefore. If uncertainty does arise, we know our own good deeds, our confidence and courage will grow within us. Essentially, confidence in our good deeds done in the past will protect and guide us. The courage to perform more good deeds right now, despite the discouraging hardships of our present life. It helps me to remember that all four attitudes support each other continuously. By looking at suffering as our teacher and friend, we shall better succeed in enduring with equanimity. It is the delusion of the self that creates suffering and hinders or disturbs equanimity. And for me, I like to remember good prevails. Good prevails. As a practitioner of serene reflection meditation, without seeking, applies effort with awareness to go beyond preferences and the emotions they engender. It is here that wisdom and compassion manifest themselves. There is a penetrating penetrating brightness that has opened wide the path. Nothing obstructs the practitioner, nor does the practitioner obstruct anything. So simply leave the worry behind. Seeking is suffering. Put our judgments and expectations down. Let them be while focusing on our attention to develop wise discernment and skillful means so we continue to become soft, gentle, and adaptable. Equanimity is not only one of the four sublime attitudes, it is the tenth paramita. Equanimity points us to maintaining a neutral position when we find ourselves between two extremes, which seems to occur frequently. Each person their karma makes, it is not only unnecessary for us to judge, excuse me, it is not only unnecessary for us to judge, berate, and slander anything as a result of our views and opinions about the conditions. It is highly recommended to free ourselves from this strong impulse. By looking at suffering as our teacher and our friend, we are better equipped to succeed in enduring it with equanimity. Mind you, this teacher is a stern friend and a truthful, well-meaning one who teaches us difficult knowledge about ourselves. One of the ways compassion is born, it it is rooted in the absence of self-concerns. This is not saying that we do not take care of ourselves. Being a human being, in order to survive, we need to learn some basic skills common self-oriented skills. Equanimity gives universally and does not discriminate, and yet it is from one's own past karmic conduct that determines whether we receive it or not. As it says in the Lotus Sutra about the rain and the sunshine, um, it's universal, it gives freely, but what? how is it that some big t- trees go break and you know some of them don't? Well, some of them are in the shade, that's our karma. Maybe some of them are out in the desert. It's just where we ended up at. But we had we had our place in being there. Our karma got us there. And we have an opportunity to, today, with our good karma and our, our, our practice, to, in future lives, have our 
trees be some, maybe will be the big mature tree at the top. Who knows? And then we'll get all the sunshine and rain. I didn't say that very well, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. Our meditation practice is central and essential to support and nourish equanimity. Insight will develop and flow, recognizing the possibility that nothing is wrong here. It is the, it is the way it is. No good, no bad, no hot, no cold. The value of equanimity is that difficult and pleasure are given equal attention, acceptance, instead of reacting to thoughts and feelings. The mind is redirected to mindfulness and the awareness of that which is arising right now. This is how we help ourselves. This is how we help others, being non-judgmental, infusing equanimity into our world. So be where you are and continue to develop and deepen your practice, your experience. Meditate consistently. So you may be able to tell that I wrote this talk for myself and for others, and I trust that you'll be able to find something here that will help you. The intention is to rekindle that brightness that spontaneously arises when we diligently practice. Taking each opportunity to, taking each opportunity to open our hearts. Just like looking at a work of art, or anything for that matter, everyone has a perspective of what that art piece evokes. So it is with the Shobogenzo. And I'm sure great Master Dogen may be rolling his eyes at me right now. Uh, so I'd just like to close with this description, a snapshot of the boat, the sword, and the river that we spoke of earlier. So for me, we are all in the river together. This river is a, cons- is a consistent glimmering. Excuse me. We are all in the river together. This river is a consistent glimmering flow of the eternal, where all things are a delicate balance, where form and reflection gaze at each other. So this is the river. We are the boat, the boat named being human. It seems we humans at times are very good at continuing to scratch karma marks in our life from our me, mine, me, I perspective looking only from our reference point where we have not yet learned to see things as they really are. So you can see there's no separation here between the boat and the the markings of the boat. Then there's the sword. The sword is the Buddha's myriad teachings to me. It is all skillful means. There's a time for everything arising, abiding, and passing away. So I will close by pushing off of my little boat, leaving my expectations behind, and plunge into the depths of the unknown, yet somehow familiar river, and seeking nothing, and see what happens next. I encourage you to let it be, let it go, and however pleasant or difficult it may be, do not hold on to it. Try to rest in the experience of steady awareness. Thank you.